He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is the gospel that we just heard a few minutes ago. St. Luke records it in chapter 20. Jesus says this, What is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, dear friends, we, living in Colorado, are literally surrounded by rocks, aren't we? We live right next to rocks, some pretty big rocks, right? One in particular that's over 14,000 feet tall that we see from just about everywhere in town. But rocks aren't just next to us, rocks are underneath us. It's hard to take a, a shovel and, and dig down without coming up with a shovel full of rocks. Sometimes rocks are even over top of us when we lived in the Vale area, we would often have to travel through Glenwood Canyon on I-70. And that's a, a canyon that, especially this time of year, is known for big rocks tumbling down the side onto the highway, sometimes closing the highway for days or even weeks, sometimes even crushing cars or trucks on whom they fall. Rocks are heavy Rocks can sometimes be pretty. Rocks can, once in a while, be deadly. They're all over the place, so the question is, what do you do with them? You can look at them and admire them. You can climb on them if you want. You can try to move them. But don't ignore them, especially when they're coming down at you. Or you'll be crushed. In, in our gospel this morning, Jesus is comparing himself to a rock, a, a, a stone. And like the, like the rocks we see around here, like the rocks especially that come sometimes tumbling down the mountainside, um, Jesus is a rock that can crush those who reject him. But for those who build on him, he is the rock of our salvation. The words that we heard Jesus speaking in the gospel this morning were, were spoken by Jesus on Tuesday, or almost certainly on Tuesday, of Holy Week, just three days away from his death on the cross. He knew what was coming. He knew that the the religious leaders, the, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. But they wanted to make that job a little bit easier on themselves, so they did what they had been doing for, for several years. They, they tried to make Jesus look bad in front of the crowds that had gathered around him. This time they, they tried to do that by questioning Jesus' authority to preach and to teach, thinking that if they could discredit him, then it would make their job a little bit easier of getting rid of him. Well, it didn't work like usual. 
But Jesus didn't just let it go. He didn't just let his enemies try that and then move on. He used that opportunity to warn them, to warn them of what would happen if they continued to reject him. And he did, did so, first of all, by telling a parable. A parable that we sometimes call a parable of the tenants. When Jesus would teach with parables, which he often did, very often the parables would, would go right over the heads of some people, especially his enemies. They just plain didn't understand what he was saying. Not this time. They understood all too well whom he was talking about in that parable. In the parable of the tenants, a, a landowner who obviously represents God, God the Father, rented out a vineyard, which would be his people, Israel, to some tenant farmers. They understood they were the tenant farmers, these Jewish religious leaders. It was very obvious that they didn't care about God or his people. They only cared about themselves. In the parable, the landowner sent one after another of his servants to them and they mistreated one after another. Those were the prophets of the Old Testament. Until finally, the landowner said, I'm going to send my son, the one I love. No question there who he was talking about and no question about what Jesus indicated he knew they were going to do. The tenants in that parable said, let's kill the son. And they took him outside of the city and did just that. Just exactly what was about to happen. They knew he was talking about them. Yet, then he went on to, to make it even more clear by quoting from Psalm 118. When he said, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And then he went on to talk about that stone crushing those who would reject it. I'm guessing three days later on Friday when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea gingerly took the limp and lifeless body of Jesus from the cross on which he had been nailed, carried it to the tomb. I'm guessing those, those enemies of Jesus, the ones that, who knew he was talking about them when he talked about the rock crushing them, I'm guessing that they were thinking, maybe even saying out loud, some rock looks like he was the one that got crushed, certainly not us. Well, they found out otherwise. First of all, they found out that they indeed would be crushed as far as their power and authority. And it didn't take very long, just a few decades, when as Jesus earlier that same day had prophesied, the Romans, finally sick and tired of the problem that was Judea, came in, laid siege to Jerusalem, and again, just as Jesus had, had predicted, completely leveled everything, wiping out the temple, that magnificent structure, so that not one stone was left on top of another, and never again would it be rebuilt, and never again would those high priests, scribes, Sanhedrin, never would they have any more power crushed. 
Meanwhile, the Christian church, as the gospel spread, grew not in political power, but in winning people's hearts through the gospel. But there was a worse kind of way of being crushed than simply having their power taken from them. And that's this, to be eternally crushed. And that's exactly what would happen to them if they continued to reject the Savior that God had sent, His beloved Son. If they continued to reject Him, then they would ultimately be crushed by Him. Because to reject Jesus our Savior means ultimately to be rejected by Him. And that means a crushing eternity cut off from God and His love in hell. Obviously, Jesus was speaking the words of our gospel this morning as a warning against his enemies of 2,000 years ago, the, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, who were responsible for arresting him and handing him over to be crucified. But those words also serve as a warning for us too. Certainly, Jesus is, is quite obviously warning against outright rejection of him as Savior. But realistically, I don't know that there is a great danger of any of us here this morning, at some point in the near future, just declaring ourselves an atheist or joining a cult or, or converting to a false religion like, like Islam. Probably not going to happen. It could. Probably not. But there's another danger, a, a far greater danger of rejecting Jesus, the rock of our salvation. And this one's a little bit more subtle. This happens when we gradually start drifting away from him. Watch for warning signs in your life. Warning signs like, am I starting to not be connected to God's Word? Am, am, I, am I not appreciating and making use of it? Am I coming to God's house to be with God's people and hear God's Word less and less frequently and maybe ultimately not at all? Is Christ and my Christian faith becoming just kind of something in the background? It's kind of there, but it's not front and center in my life. If so, watch out. Watch out. Christ, the rock of our salvation, is a rock that crushes those who ultimately reject Him. If you find that happening in your life, go back to the Word. Get back into God's Word. Connect with Christ as He connects with us through the Gospel. Or if you see that happening in a relative, a son, daughter, a brother or sister in Christ that's just drifting away. Reach out. Warn them. Invite them. Connect them back to Christ. Because those who ultimately reject Him will ultimately be crushed by Him just like a boulder tumbling onto the highway. But rocks aren't simply agents of destruction just ready to crush us. 
That's not all rocks do. If, if that were the case, I don't think any of us would ever venture up into the mountains, would we? No, you can do a lot of other things with rocks. You can build on them for one thing. When Christ calls himself the, 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 the stone that the builders rejected, uh, I think first we probably think of him being a rock that's a foundation. Like we sang in the hymn just now, the church is one foundation. Or we think of Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builders, the one who built the house on the rock. And certainly that is a very, very great picture of what we do with Jesus by faith. By God's grace, we build our lives and our hope of salvation on him. But that's really not the picture that Psalm 118 that Jesus quoted from is giving us when it tells us that Jesus is that stone, the rock that the builders rejected. He's not comparing himself to the foundation, but a different kind of stone. The word, this verse could be translated in a couple of different ways, and it is often translated in two different ways. Sometimes that verse is translated, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. So a capstone would be the stone that would be on the very top of a stone structure, like a doorway or perhaps an arch. It's the most important stone in that structure because once that's up there, it locks all of the other stones into place. Without that, it's going to fall down. What a perfect picture of Christ who holds us into place, who, who, who is the rock of our salvation by keeping us connected to him. But, but it's probably better to translate that word the way we have it in, in our reading this morning as cornerstone. That's probably a more accurate uh, translation of that word. He's calling himself the cornerstone. Well, we all know what a cornerstone is. We see them on buildings, at least occasionally. But in, in today's architecture, cornerstones are basically just decorative. right? It's just a place to put a date when the building was put up or maybe a, a logo or a motto, but just decorative. But not in ancient times. In ancient times, the cornerstone was the single most important stone in the building. Here's why. They did not have accurate um, measuring devices or ways to survey. So the cornerstone really was the stone that, that dictated the angles of the walls. The cornerstone would be very, very carefully cut and chiseled, making sure that all of its corners were accurate, were, were precise, and the and the size of it would be would be plumb, because once you put that down, and that would be the very first stone put down when you're building it, then all of the other stones connected to that would also be straight. Your walls would be straight. If not, if they weren't connected to a precise cornerstone, it would be lopsided. Ultimately, that building would collapse. That's Christ. Christ, we build on Him. He is the center. He, he, he's where we start with, just like the builders in ancient times started with the cornerstone. We start with Jesus and we end with Jesus. And connected to Jesus, he puts us in a straight path, doesn't he? The path that ultimately leads to heaven. But the opposite would also be true. 
If we're not connected to Christ, we're going to go off in the wrong direction that ultimately will lead away from Him, that will lead away from our heavenly home. That's true for our lives. That's true for our church, too. A church that is connected to Christ in His Word and makes that its heart and core of everything we do and believe is going to be straight and stay connected to Him. But a church that is no longer connected to Christ in His Word is ultimately going to go off in the wrong direction and ultimately collapse. But what a, a wonderful, what a, a, an amazing, what a, what a, a purpose-giving, hope-filling, eternal life-providing thing it is to build on Christ both in our lives and in our church. Christ, the rock, the rock of our salvation. The rock who crushes those who in unbelief reject Him. But for us, by God's grace, who love Him and believe in Him and build on Him. Christ, the rock that holds us together Christ the rock that leads to our eternal life. Stay connected. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.